This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have Travis Smith on. He's in so many different spaces of real estate here in Austin. He's going to tell us all about it and how he's crushing it here right now in this current market. So, hey, Travis, how are you? Fantastic. How are you doing, Jordan? Good. Good to see you again. I know it's been a little while. Um, Could you tell our guests who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing? Yes. So I'm Travis Smith. I own Hammersmith Construction, uh, which is a construction full service residential company um, that works quite a bit with investors. And then we also have some retail, do some new builds, and we're doing some modulars as well, um, which are some pretty fantastic and I think uh, cutting edge new builds that are coming along. I also am a producing licensed real estate agent and I did 11 million uh, sales this year production and I own a design company and a flooring company as well that kind of tie into what Hammersmith does. Awesome. Yeah. And I know we've done a few projects together. You guys did a single family with an ADU for me in East Austin and then actually the property I'm sitting in right now, a duplex in South Austin. You yep. work with a couple of our clients here too. And a, a good friend of mine, Mark Missadol, works with you. Yes, so, he is now, a, as you know, a, a partial owner of the company mm-hmm. um, and an amazing person. Uh, it's pretty awesome how many uh, good people Minneapolis puts out. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, awesome. Well, you're involved with a lot around the construction and, and you do some flips too, huh, right? Yes, I have completed 34 as either personal or partnership. And then we've done another 15 as a construction company. That's awesome. So yeah, you're heavily involved in real estate here in Austin. Um, Other than having the business here in Austin, why invest in Austin? Because you can really invest anywhere anymore. So why continue to invest in Austin? Because... Honestly, I don't think there is going to be a better time than now and over the next couple of months. I personally believe that we'll see there's a high volatility in the housing market and the interest rates. And I know we all saw how it went up and we've all seen how it comes down. Um, But that volunteer volatility won't be over just because it went up and then went down. As you know, it'll even itself out over time. And right now, some of the prices and the deals that you can find in Austin are prices that you haven't been able to see in four or five years. And there are uh, people that I work with, investors, people I call the smart money, and they're gobbling up places. Um, right now, you can get a place sub 400 a Mueller. You can get a place in the 78745 for 300K, you know, rough shape. But mm-hmm. these are... These are prices, like I said, you haven't we haven't seen since before COVID. Honestly, probably about a year before COVID. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, there's some great deals out there here right now. Um, yep. And yeah, I'm I'm looking for more deals for myself here now too. But Travis, what 
what initially got you started and what attracted you to real estate investing in general? So I don't know your background, actually, come and talk about it. I, I've just known you as Travis, who owns Hammersmith Construction, yeah. flips houses and does all that stuff. So how did you get to real estate investing? It's kind of interesting. Um, when I was uh, living in Victoria, because I lived down there until 2017, um, I had met a good friend of mine in Houston and I was doing some investing in the stock market for him and it went really well. And I told him, you know, I was getting my license and I was going to move to Austin and we decided to try and flip some houses. And for the first three of those, um, I lost a substantial amount of money and did terrible because I got taken advantage of by contractors. I didn't quite understand the full scope of what I was doing. I didn't have a mentor in place to kind of guide me through that. Mm -hmm. And so I learned the old fashioned way and that was paying for it through blood, sweat and tears. And then from that, um, and towards the end of the third flip that I had done that I was, this was basically a first set of three. I met Scott, as you know, he had a lot of experience in construction and he was the first person who actually did what he was said he was going to do. And we got to talking and realized that we both thought there was a ton of improvement in the construction and contracting community because as you know, here in Texas, you don't have to be licensed to be a contractor. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really bad people out there. So if we could be a good person that does what we say we're going to do, do it quickly and for a decent price, we'd always have some business and that's uh, served us pretty well so far. Yeah, no, I'm sure. And, and you did mention something a lot of people don't know is that you don't need to have a license to be a, a contractor in Austin. Yep. People say, Hey, I want a licensed contractor to do it. All it's the like, time. <laughs> tough luck. You don't need a license to be a contractor here. And that differs per Texas cities, but Austin, you don't need a license to be a contractor. So somebody, I can just put on a, a different shirt here today and, and walk out the door and say, Hey, I'm a contractor. Yep. Um, I have had a couple of investors in the past that I've worked with who saw what I did and thought it would be simple. Um, and one house, it didn't work out so well for him. And on the other one, I'm not so sure. Uh, but it is uh, not quite as easy as everybody thinks it looks. <laughs> no, definitely not. So <clears throat> that being said, I think we can, we can talk a little bit about that. So right now, people are saying, hey, you know, stuff's so expensive to get done. It takes forever. Uh, why are people ripping me off left and right? Can you talk a little bit about just where costs have gone and why that's happened and why things are so complicated right now to get done? Yes. So um, as we all know, there was quite a bit of inflation and in raw materials, things like lumber and copper over the last couple of years, um, in part because of monetary, in part because of supply issues. Um, but lumber at one point was up to, I think, 1,500 a board foot. And now it's back down to 400. So we're actually seeing a retreat in material costs, not so mm -hmm. much on the copper side, but definitely on the lumber side. The millwork, I think, will start to follow that. I think we're going to see a drop of material costs mm -hmm. where I don't think we'll see the prices come back down unless something changes in the job market is 
the cost of labor right now, which you and I have, have discussed before is gotten mm-hmm. for good work has gotten to be, you know, pretty expensive. So, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of that's kind of what the driver is of it right now is more the labor market than the materials. Uh, there's a lot of people who like to point to materials, and there's still a couple of things that are hard to acquire. But for the most part, materials are back to where they've been, and the prices have started to normalize quite a bit as well. Where where it's still sticky is in the labor market portion of it. And I think you know just diving into that a little bit can help people understand why prices have gone up so much. So we don't have to talk specific dollar amounts, but percentage wise, let's say just for labor, where was it and where has it gone for what types of labor that you need? So we used to have, um, you know, a, a good person, we would pay 150 to 200 a day when we we're starting out. And now that's more like, three, three fifty, four hundred even for somebody who's really skilled. Wow. Yeah. So more than a hundred percent increase on a lot of these costs. Yes. And 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 I have I have tried to go the cheaper route. I have tried to, as you know, we constantly where we interview people, we go through, but what we found is if we if to get the kind of finish and execution that our investors and clients expect, then we need to have those kind of people. And what it does allow us to do is they are turning out high quality houses, whole house remodels in four to six weeks. Um, so, and that's going really well for us. And that's also something that's improved even since we worked with you on the duplex Mm -hmm. is, you know, at the time we were subcontracting out. Now it's much more of an in-house crew type thing and the systems and routines are better. So everything's just streamlined and yeah, it takes us about four to six weeks for a whole house at this point. That's really fast. And that's awesome. And time is money. So I think, yes, people say, Oh, I'm paying more for this job to get done. But like you said, if it can get done in four to six weeks versus 12 or 14 weeks, that's a big difference. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys. Yeah, especially if somebody's on hard money, as you know, that's hundreds of dollars a day. Yeah. Um, and so it is literally part of our deal to race as fast as we can to get those done. So you mentioned hard money, and I think that's something that a lot of flippers use. So hard money is it's typically interest only. Let's say it's right now, what do you see in 10, 12% interest? Yeah, we, we had it down for experienced flippers. Uh, I, I typically go, uh, with Kelly Smith over easy street and I was, I had it at two points and 8% before all the rises. And now I think it's back to, uh, at least for me, it was two and 12 or two and 11, somewhere around there. So yeah, no, we were getting amazing deals from private money lenders here in the last year or two. And I said, this is yep. crazy. This is like basically a normal interest rate. And now it's back up into the the double digits. So yeah. So for hard money, I know you do a lot of flips. Could you kind of talk about uh, the flips you've done in Austin and what you learned about that? And we can go into the new builds and modulars too here later. Yeah. 
So for the flips, um, when we used hard money, it obviously applies a lot more pressure than a cash only deal. Mm-hmm. Um, because the holding costs are there, it also eats into the margin. So that's something that when we're shopping for a house, we take that into account if we're using hard money financing. We need that much more margin onto the deal because you want to make sure you make a certain amount or else the flip's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that comes into the equation. And then also, uh, as you know, different hard money lenders work differently. And so with somebody like Easy Street, they can fund a draw the same day. I have worked with other investors that their hard money companies can take it up to two weeks. And as you can imagine, if it takes two weeks to receive money, it slows the project down. Mm-hmm. So um, there are, it, it's, it's incredible to me. I think just in the past few projects, we've worked with four or five different uh, hard money people through various investors. And it's, it's pretty wild to me how, what variances there are between them, their mode of operations and uh, the quality of the execution, to be honest with you. Oh yeah. I didn't know there was that much of a difference with hard money. Um, It really is. So with these flips, I know you're finding flips on market and off market. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any sort of criteria you aim for on a flip? Like, are you trying to get it at 70% ARV minus construction costs or is there a formula you aim for on a flip yeah we try we actually try to get all in it uh it was 70 up until uh last year and then we tried to bump it down to 60 just because of you know as quickly as prices are rising it was it was bringing to mind that like how sustainable is this and we wanted to make sure if there was a pullback we'd be in position for that and then this year, luckily, we did get stuck in a couple of deals that we've had to refinance into Airbnbs. But both of those we got in, we were all in, I think, at like no more than 55% on one and less than 50% on the other. And so even with the the drawdown and, and the values right now, we were able to get out of those, set up appropriately, and then we'll hold those until the market recovers and sell those. The shame is, is if we could have been buying now, then we would be selling in the spring for, you know, much better prices uh, than currently, because mm-hmm. I do think spring is going to be very active this year. Mm-hmm. So you've had a few flips here recently. And if I read you right, that it didn't make sense to sell. It just made sense to hold on to them and sell later. Correct. One uh, was actually, uh, yeah, one was in seven, eight, seven, four, five, an area that I know you're really familiar with. Yeah. Um, we bought it in April. We had sold comps between 850 and 925. Wow. Um, finished it in six weeks, early June. But as you know, by the time June was here, it was already dropping off. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I comped it off of sold comps instead of actives, put it on an 825. We got a ton of traffic um, and some really good feedback. And then it just started to fall off. And I started noticing that the flips around us were down mid to low sevens. And we always make sure we have multiple exit strategies so we don't get forced into taking a loss. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we just kind of pivoted towards rentals and and making sure we can just start paying down a little bit of the equity. And then six months, a year from now, however we want to go about doing it, whenever the market recovers and we can get the ARV we originally wanted, we'll sell it then. Awesome. Cool. No, it's awesome to have that backup plan too. And 
Yes, I, I recommend to to a lot of the investors I work with. I know some of them they only want to do flips, and and that's cool. But I always recommend having a backup plan just in case you have a macroeconomic situation like this where nobody has control over that. Nobody does anything wrong. Things just the the atmosphere changes. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's a, a good lead into our next question here. What's something you tell people on how to avoid issues with flips or what do you look for to avoid issues with flips other than having a good backup plan? Say they're they're going to buy their first flip and they're working with a contractor that they've never met before. Maybe they got recommended from. How will you best work with a contractor on a flip to avoid problems later on in the process? Well, the... To- some of the first things to uh, that we look to avoid in a house is things like aluminum wiring, uh, cast iron pipes. Uh, if it's going to be a buy and hold, uh, water heaters in the attic. Um, we like to check the age of the HVAC, and I almost always get uh, an engineer report on the foundation. Just mm-hmm. if nothing else, for when I turn around and sell it, to say, "Hey, I have this engineer's report that says the foundation is good." Um, when it comes to, to kind of talking to contractors as people are first meeting them, it's, especially if you're a person who's just starting flips, it's very overwhelming because there's so many moving parts, even to a small remodel. Um, it's simple to look through and say, oh, we're going to do this bathroom and we'll do these cabinets over here. But as you know, like, okay, well then what color are you going to do? And then what, you know, you get to really the nitty gritty and you want a contractor who's at least done a couple of, you know, at least done some flips and cause they're out there and that they understand things like ROI. Like if we do this, is it going to help your house sell for more? Is it going to help your house sell for faster? And then another big thing that I always tell people, and that is a big red flag is if a contractor ever asks, for more than 10% of a deposit, unless there's just a large amount of materials they need up front, that to me is a red flag. Mm-hmm. Because if you're getting a 25, 30% deposit, that generally is your margin for a construction company. And, and for and if you're working with investors, it tends to be higher than the margin. So then you're actually, as you finish the job, losing money. So for somebody like us, it's not that big of a deal, but we don't take the large deposits to begin with. We would always finish as you know, but as you also know, there are some contractors that when they get towards the end and if they're out of money, they won't finish that job. And so that's why it's really crucial to stay on track. What we do with our clients is we give itemized bids as you've seen. And when we, when they're done, we ask for payment on a completion. Um, and I recommend that to anybody to set that up with their contractor. And that's how most things should work is, is as things are done, then you pay for them and you don't get a situation where like, man, I gave this contractor 40 or $50,000 and I'm sitting here with the house. That's just a, you know, down to the studs. Yeah. Well, and I've also seen, you know, now that you mentioned that when you, when, when somebody's not good at giving a good bid or the contractor doesn't give you an unitemized bid like that. They probably don't really know how much work and energy and time it's going to take to do this stuff. So you'll get your job 90% of the way done or 85% of the way done. And then you'll see them kind of drop off. And that makes a lot of sense after what you're talking about there. Because if they've already spent all the money or they budgeted too little to get this job done, once you get towards the end, it 
it's going to get rough getting that job finished. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. Yep, they end up in situations where they have to rob Peter to pay Paul kind of deal. Mm. Um, and that snowballs really quick. So it's it, you're, you're dead on about that. If, it, if they don't have things like an itemized bid and at least a, a minimal level of detail for you, then that also is a really, really big red flag mm-hmm. um, because you should know exactly what you're paying for. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I like to see that personally. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about modular housing. So funny that while we're recording this, I just did record an episode with one of the other partners on that deal. But I know you're doing some modular housing for a buddy of mine. Can yep. you talk about what that is and what that looks like from a contractor's perspective? So what do you all have to do to get those ready? And I mean, I would assume as a layperson, not knowing anything about it, you assume they just bring in the modular housing and, and pop it down on the ground and you're done. Now, obviously, yeah. it's more than that. What happens before that? So, so far we have, we can do this on either infill lots. You could do this in a subdivision. Uh, but what we've done so far is we found lots where there was basically teardowns. East Austin, South Austin, as you know, has quite a few of those. Um, and then we also have one out West. And what we do is the first thing we do is go in, you know, get city approval, roll up the utilities, knock the house down. And then the, one of the features about modulars is that they come pre-approved essentially. So things like rough inspections, going through planning for the city, which is a process that by itself can take six to 12 weeks is, is entirely skipped. Mm -hmm. Um, so after we knock down the house, we start, uh, I won't get too far into details, uh, too far into the nitty gritty, but essentially we get the property prepared and the foundation ready for the modulars and the modulars drop. And depending on which modular company you work with, there's a certain amount of work that we do inside. There's exterior that we do, there's landscaping, you know, everything else, but it really is. The interesting thing is they are you know, with their pier and beam. So they brought in and they are lifted off of a crane and dropped into, um, and placed together in place. And they have these setting crews that do it. It's fascinating to watch, um, which I'd love to have you come out to one, one time. Yeah. Um, and so they do that and there's, it could be two modulars. It could be five. It could be six. It could be seven. And once they're complete, you could not tell most, almost anybody could not tell that they weren't anything but a stick built house. Mm-hmm. I've taken investors and construction people by and to a person, that's what they've said. And the appeal obviously is you can get the ideas to get to the point where we're turning these around from close to putting a for sale sign on a new build house in four months, construction right. included. 
Mm-hmm. And as you know, a new build right now is probably more like 15 to 18 months if we're stick building. Yeah, I think 18 months is safe. And then there's still delays. You know, there's always delays and oh. things are messed up. And the, you run into a, where the city's permits are taken forever. I had a, a client that bought a new build here recently. And it was taking them forever to put in a gas meter. And that was yep. what delayed him moving in by several weeks. The home was finished. It was ready to go. But he didn't have any gas, so we couldn't move in. It was colder. Where there was a a duplex that we worked on earlier this year that we got a green tag from the city of Austin on January fifteenth to get our electricity turned on, and Austin Energy did not get that electricity turned on until early April. Wow! And it was all bureaucratic paperwork. Now that was. I shouldn't say fortunately because it wasn't fortunate for him, but that was without somebody living there. But you can imagine if that's somebody's house waiting for two and a half or three months to get the power turned on, or if it's somebody's project, you know, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're paying holding costs on that. And that's one of the last things that happened. We're trying to get the power turned on because you have to pass your electrical final to make that happen. And so it's just, you're right. There are things about it that, um, that create certain nightmares that modulars are going to really help bypass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People talk all about, you know, how we, we need to build our way out of affordable housing, but the city doesn't really cooperate with that. So, no, so much. No, they, they, I think they've made it a little bit easier for ADUs mm-hmm. in terms on the, on the citywide level. But as far as going through inspections, Honestly, the city inspections and the city permitting office isn't remotely as bad as dealing with Austin Energy or Texas Gas. Um, and that's saying, and I actually haven't had terrible luck with the city outside of one specific inspector. Um, but it is it is Austin Energy and the gas company that have given us fits left and right. It's not fun. No. Well, yeah, so... If you want to do it quickly and you want to do it at a better cost, it sounds like modular is going to be the way to go. I know that it's real early on in that game and that you're probably going to have to wait a a year or two before it's just widely and and easily available. I would say at a minimum, a year or two. Yeah. You know, like Travis said, there's still lots of awesome opportunities to flip houses, to remodel houses. And then when they're teardowns, rather than rebuild it, sometimes it might just be modular. So you mentioned some new construction too. With You have some experience with these 15 to 18 months projects. What type of new construction projects are you guys up to? Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. Um, So right now, it's actually solely modular. We've finished up a couple in East Austin um, that were stick builds, uh, traditional, actually not far from Ebert, Hmm. um, in the same neighborhood. and. we actually were able to finish those from groundbreak to finish in 10 months each. But now, of course, like I said, the planning portion took a little bit longer. Um, and those went really well. Um, but that was 
The problem we had with those is there were such huge fluctuations with lumber companies. And we are a fixed bid company, as you know. I do not go back and ask for more money for the same line items. So we ended up having to eat about $30,000 in lumber. Oh my gosh. Um, because, well, because we honor our price. And so that the time, from the time we had originally bid and did the plans until the time we broke ground and we're actually buying the lumber is when there was the biggest increase. And so we got whacked with that pretty hard. We still, we still did okay on the house, but, um, uh, I mean, it, it was a little bit painful, but those, those have gone well. It's, there's definitely a slowdown for right now, as far as spec homes go, mm. at least, at least for, um, from my own anecdotal standpoint, I don't know about for other builders, there's other builders who are more into spec builds, um, that could give you some more insight that we definitely are heading towards being more into building, as you know. Um, but the current circumstances have kind of slowed the momentum on that for right now. Sure. With rising debt costs and uncertainty, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Travis, do you have a favorite business or mindset book you like to recommend? Um, I don't necessarily have a favorite business or mindset book, but I do really like uh, macroeconomics, as we said, and uh, I love Milton Freeman's uh, monetary theory. Um, I love I love things like uh, unemployment rates and export import prices and commodities and weird mm-hmm. things like that. And so, um, I'll be honest, and I told you this uh, before that I have not really gotten a formal business education i've i've learned it through blood sweat and tears over the last five years building this uh bootstrapping it from the ground up i wish i would have read some books (laughs) i'm sure there are some amazing ones that would have saved me uh, a lot of time and trouble Mm -hmm. and uh that's something i would certainly like to get into uh as we get between the holidays and things naturally slow down just a little bit Awesome. Well, experience is a great teacher too. And I know you've just learned a ton over these last couple of years doing all sorts of flips and rehabs and new builds in Austin. Yep. But Travis, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you or to follow you? So uh we have an Instagram page. Um it's at Hammersmith underscore ATX. We also have a website, which is uh, www.hammersmithtexas.com. And we have a Facebook page as well, Hammersmith Construction and Renovation, LLC. All of it has years worth of projects, um, people, and... uh, a good track record of our work. And, and honestly, it's kind of cool to see how the company's grown looking back through those things. So that's awesome. And yeah. then of course, um, I can put out my phone number if you want, but yeah, up totally up to you, but yeah, three, six, one, nine, three, five, two, four, two, one. Um, I love, as Jordan knows, I love talking business. I love talking macro and I love helping investors. Even if I don't end up doing the construction for them, I like at least giving them an idea of what they should be looking for if they go with another contractor, which sometimes happens. Yeah, no, I I get that. Uh, 
Travis, last question we've got here today, and it's the most important question we ask. What is your favorite restaurant in Austin? My favorite restaurant is, it's called the Italian Restaurant. It's off of South Congress, and it's in a strip center. And you would never know, but you <laughs> go inside, and it has the best ambiance. And they do the the pasta from scratch and all that there, and it's some of the best food I've eaten. That's my go-to spot right now. It's called the Italian Restaurant? Literally called the Italian Restaurant. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. I'm not too far from from that spot. Yeah, it's 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 not far from you at all. That's awesome, man. Well, cool. Thank you so much for coming on here today, Travis. Um, of course, follow them on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, guys. It's at Jordan underscore Moorhead. And Hammersmith ATX is the construction company. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on, Jordan. All right. Thank you. Talk to you here soon. Yes, sir. Take care.